Hi, everyone. I'm Wendy Palladino, and I'm here with my co-host, Andrew Budras, and our guest, Sarah Rout. Sarah is one of our kindergarten teachers at Vern W. Critz, and we invited her again to our podcast. She'd been on a previous episode before. We interviewed her and Lisa Navi in a discussion over whether the kids are okay in this post or semi-post pandemic era. Um, Today, however, we've invited Sarah to be a part of our teacher summer series, where we take a look at what teachers are up to during the summer months, how they spend their time, and what kind of professional and personal things they take on during the summer. So let's get started. Okay, so we're here today with Sarah Rauch, and she's our next guest in our summer series, where we take a look at what our teachers are up to during the summertime. Sarah was a guest on one of our past episodes on Are the Kids All Right? when we uh, interviewed her and Miss Lisa Nobby from Frank P. Long. Um, but today we're going to take a look at what she's up to over the summer, um, what are some professional and personal projects she's got going on. Um, so we'll get right to it. So the first question, Sarah, is what are some professional projects that you might be working on this summer? Uh, hi, everybody. Yes. Uh uh, the professional project that I'm really focused on this summer are my centers. So um, we talked about this in the last episode. It's the place that I noticed my students most engaged um, and most excited for. And so I'm trying to refine them and make sure I have centers for each unit, for each subject to really um, hone in on their community building skills, their engagement. And before we started this episode, we just talked about something really exciting. And and this is really, I'm going to be reading, I'm going to be putting things together and writing. And I have another kindergarten teacher who I work with, Jackie Ward, and we're going to be doing some talking about all of this. But we just talked about you know, the importance of evaluate and how evaluate is one of our higher um, thinking and learning um, processes. And I was thinking about how centers are so engaging. And then when we're done with centers, we can get in a community circle, bring your center and evaluate it and evaluate it in a kindergarten way. Maybe talk about what you noticed, maybe talk about what you learned, maybe talk about what made that center hard or easy-er this time or easy even, um, and how that will help me refine my centers and say, okay, that one might be too hard or that one might be too easy. Um, but I think that using the community circle, which is another goal of mine this coming year to use it more often, um, will really help solidify not only their learning, but also our community, the relationships in the classroom. What is this kid thinking, you know? Um, And them learning from each other and listening to each other, listening and speaking, as we talked about before, for kindergarten is really huge. And this is my fourth year in kindergarten, which doesn't feel like my fourth year because every year we've had COVID. And every year I've been cut off and had to recreate the curriculum in a way that they could do it three feet apart and with a mask Mm -hmm. and not with a partner. And so I'm really hoping this will be my first full year of a kindergarten experience that looks the way I would want it to look Mm -hmm. uh, without 
major restrictions. I remember <clears throat> saying to people last summer, I said, I really hope that this is like the return to normalcy. And, and I'm, I, I tend to be very optimistic. So I was like, this is it. This is going to be the, the return to normalcy. And then, you know, by November, I realized it clearly was not. So here I am again. And I'm sharing your, your sentiment. I really hope that this is the return. And I think it sounds so exciting, this stuff that you're talking about, because it sounds like you're asking them to do some metacognitive skills too, where they reflect on things and they think about how they were working. And, and it's always surprising to me because I don't understand where they are developmentally at that age, but you feel like they can handle that kind of thing. Well, that's what we were talking about as well. I think that when you start with, if you give kids the springboard of what do you notice, you know, some kids can do that and that might not be the same as what did you learn Mm -hmm. or what do you think about this? Um, And I think some kids need to start with what do you notice? And then some kids will naturally, you know, um, flow into what did I learn? So I think that it just depends on the child. And I think that I'm going to learn in that community circle as well. Like, mm-hmm. who are you and what do you need? And who are you and what do you need? And that's just as important as anything else. So I think that's that kind rem- of my springboard. That reminds me of, and I'm going to shout out to Mary Pettit, another uh, teacher at Frank P. Long. Elementary teacher at Frank P. Long, right? And what I remember when she started to really um, want to m- make her lessons more culturally responsive, one of the simple things I remember her doing is instead of, you know, at the end of a reading, you know, how did Sally feel about, you know, whatever situation she was in, it was like she started asking the kids, how did you feel about that, right? And so then they had to reflect and then everybody got to hear the different interpretations of it. So there's so many very simple creative ways that like you can really gauge their understanding, their interpretations. So I'm I'm sure you'll do a a fantastic job once you're starting to like reconsider your centers. But what do you use to like, like inspire you or like show you about like different ways that you can reinvent those centers? Like, do you go into any kind of like resources that that are go-to or like how do you do that how do you try to well that creative that was a big learning process for me in kindergarten because in fourth grade I had places to go and I knew where to go um just to think about my lessons in general um now I I originally started looking on Pinterest and YouTube um and finding things there but then I thought, oh, look, right in my math book. It tells me what <laughs> I could do. I'm like, it's right there in front of me. But I also found the way it was written wasn't as clear as I wanted mm-hmm. and wasn't, I didn't um, always find it as easy to copy mm-hmm. um, or even make my own because I didn't understand it as much. So I might pick one or two from the math book after I found them in the math book. Mm-hmm. But I found Pinterest and YouTube to be much more helpful. And just 
looking around, a lot of it is looking around your room, what do you have? And I am a collector. <laughs> so I think, oh, like I, I've had everyone in the neighborhood collect bottle caps forever. And my sister texted me at one point. She's like, don't they know their letters and numbers yet? Because <laughs> I used bottle caps for letters. I used them for numbers, I, ordering numbers, writing words, uh, putting snap sight words on the bottle caps, writing sentences. I used them in so many different ways. And so it's really looking around. What do I have? And I'm a big environmentalist, so I don't want to buy new things. Mm -hmm. I don't want there to, you know, I don't want to go out and make it all pretty and perfect. I I mean, I'd like it to be pretty, but Mm -hmm. it's okay if it's not. Um, And that's why I use bottle caps and egg crates and things that are already in our lives and shoe boxes. So I try not to create more garbage. So I look around, I see what do I have already? How could I use this? What do, what do other people do? Um, and then create things from there. And we, as a, you know, we're in a small building at Burn Critz, So we as a kindergarten have lunch together every day. So mm-hmm. there's definitely conversations there about what did you use? How did you do that? My kids are confused about this. You know, some of those conversations happening too. So... When Sarah came in for our taping, she came in, we're recording at my house in Belport. Uh, she came in and, uh, and she had clearly either, she was either on her way to do something uh, outside or had just returned. And uh, what, what had you just been doing? So this morning, my husband and I went clamming to get some clams for dinner. And uh, we did some treading on the flats and it was a lovely morning. Let's everybody breathe. <laughs> <laughs> That's your breathe reminder for your phone. Relax your shoulders. Roll your head. This is what we do in kindergarten every hour. Folks who are listening, this is the full Sarah Rock experience. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Because our next question is about what kind of personal projects or goals you're working on. And, and you know, you're a close friend of mine, and I, I always see you as... as maybe one of the most holy formed people that I know, you know, so that you're looking, you're looking at life through all these different angles. And, uh, that includes going out and, and harvesting your, your dinner from, from the water today and, uh, and being out with your husband and out in the sun. And, and then just as I was asking you about that, uh, we did a mindfulness pause for breathing. So, <laughs> so, uh, so that doesn't, that leads to more of a personal thing as opposed to a professional what are some of your personal projects or goals for the summer? Well, um, I have a big garden. And so I work in my garden a lot and I grow food. And I um, also just have a pretty garden to look at. And on, I find this summer to be, well, when my kids were young, I always said, I'm a really good mother in the summer. And like, that was my time to really focus on them. And now it's been shifting because they're 18 and 20 now. So I found last summer in particular, my husband wasn't home with me last summer, he was working. And I really found it to be a time of reading and writing and meditating and exercising and paddling and biking and just completely taking care of myself in every level, you know, uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually, socially. 
you know, and, and I last summer I spent time with people, but I spent a lot of time alone. Um, and that was a huge shift for me because I am a people person. I love to be with people. I love to be in conversations like we're having right now, which is why I volunteered for this. <laughs> I also, After being asked. <laughs> right, I also love to, I've realized, be alone. And I've realized I need time alone. I need time to reflect like, whoa, that conversation kind of went south. What happened there? Or... I really want to talk to my daughter or my husband or my sister or my brother about this. How do I approach this that's kind and caring and not bossy and annoying? You know, those are not easy things to do. Um, and so, you know, being very mindful with my mouth and my words in particular have been a huge shift. I was brought up in a family with a mother that was like, go do that right now. Go take care of that right now. Pick it up. And I definitely picked all of that up. And I'm learning how to speak more kindly and thoughtfully and, and like being quieter. You know, I used to, I feel like, and people might say I'm still like that, but I find myself to be quieter than I was and I want to be quieter and I want to hear what other people have to say and I want to pull things out of people that they might not usually talk about. Um, so the summer really is uh, so precious and, and I feel like, you know, it's every, it's every moment. I mean, who is luckier than us? I have my coffee out under the umbrella and the birds are singing and I'm looking at my garden and I pull a few weeds and I cut a few flowers and I also try to eat really healthy. So I have a big bed of arugula, a big bed of kale. So when I got home from my family reunion, I went outside, I harvested a ton, I weeded, I washed, spun, you know, looked up recipes, put things in the fridge. Um, and I also belong to a CSA. So I, I go to the CSA and I, my husband is a big pesto maker. I'll go get basil there and he'll make the pesto. And, you know, um, and I try to make just big yummy salads that everybody can pull out of the fridge and just eat. And... I have ladies' night sail every Wednesday. We sail together. A bunch of us own a sailboat together, and we sail together, and um, we all grew up sailing together. Um, and I just said to my husband, um, I started taking uh, my husband and his twin brother uh, own a motorboat, and, and I do too. I mean, it's our family boat. And I started taking it without, you know, my husband or without help, probably, I guess, three years ago. Maybe it was four years ago. I'm not really sure. And when I used to take it, my heart would thunder out of my chest. I would be so nervous. Mm -hmm. And then I would dock the boat, go to the beach, and I would be on the way back when we were walking on the boardwalk. My heart would start thundering again, like, oh, here we go again, <laughs> getting on that boat again. And I just realized the other day, I was taking Charlotte and a bunch of friends to the beach and it was really windy. I thought nothing of it. I was driving the boat. I thought, I don't think anything of this anymore. This is like driving my car. I feel nothing. And I said to Charlotte, 
wow, this is so important to do things, and I've heard it a million times, out of your comfort zone, something really uncomfortable, work at it, and then you will get to that space if you keep it up. You you will get to the space where it feels like, you know, riding your bike. It feels like nothing. And I'm so grateful for that. And I think the summer is also another place that I look to do things uncomfortably. You know, Charlotte really wants me to start surfing again. And it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's so hard and it takes up so much time. But I thought maybe this will be the summer that I pick it up again a little bit. Um, and that's another thing that's hard, uncomfortable, embarrassing. You know, you get pounded. It's it's difficult. Mm. But I know it's good for me. I feel like knowing you, Sarah, that if you were surfing and you were attacked by a shark and lost a limb, you'd probably <laughs> put a positive spin and say, at least it's a sustainable food source. <laughs> no, I think, I think you should consider one day writing a book for teachers on how to spend the summer in like a life-affirming way. It could be mm-hmm. like 100 days of... Yeah. Uh, you know, we'd have to work out the title at another time. <laughs> NYSIT's Take a Look at Teaching initiative is a union-led initiative to develop a robust statewide educator pipeline in New York. One of its aims is to increase educators' workforce diversity. In the 2016-17 to school year, more than 200 public school districts in New York did not employ a single teacher of color. Overall, enrollment in New York State's teachers' education programs have declined by 50% since 2009. With more teachers retiring, it is estimated that we will need up to 180,000 teachers in the next 10 10 years. The teacher shortage crisis is real. We need you. Thanks to the strength of our union, New York teachers make a good living in a very rewarding profession. Consider taking a look at teaching for your future career. Let me ask you this in sort of parallel as opposed to uh, just about, about you. Do you feel like you get a decent sense of the summer experience for your kids? Through what I do. Yeah. Or however, I mean, you're always so creative well, about how to interact with your kids. But I'm just curious. I mean, for me as a high school teacher, I feel like disconnected. Mm-hmm. I, if I run into them, fine. But otherwise, like, I don't really know if they're sitting inside and playing video games or if they're working or if they're doing things that are intellectually challenging. Stimulating. Stimulating. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting. First of all, um, another thing I do... and. Last summer, I didn't do it. The bus was broken all summer, but I usually drive the bus two days a week and hand out books. Uh, Could you explain just for the listeners, what is what is that bus? So the literacy bus that the district owns is filled with bookshelves of books that get handed out to kids. So Lauren Brennan and I um, have been driving together since COVID started. Um, and before COVID, I rode by myself a lot. Um, but Lauren and I looked forward to our visits together. So we started, uh, riding together and handing out books to kids. And I felt like that was one thing that helped me stay connected. Like where are kids? What are they doing? Because I was driving through neighborhoods, looking for kids and talking to kids. And that's literally what we did. Like free books, Mm -hmm. free books, here we are. (laughs) And people, you know, 
this year, so anyway, so we did that and, and that helped me stay connected, I felt like. And I saw, saw kids on slip and slides and I saw kids, you know, bouncing on trampolines and I saw kids running around the neighborhood and biking. But I also saw um, a lack of kids, like where are the kids? And I thought either they're inside or they're at daycare or they're somewhere else. They're not necessarily here. There was that that happened. But then this this spring, I said to Mandy, my principal, I said, I want to bring the bus over, the literacy bus, and have all the kids go through it and take bags of books for the summer so that, first of all, they know what when the bus comes through their neighborhood, what it is, mm-hmm. and that we might be driving the bus so they can look for us, um, but also so that kids have books for the summer. I mean, that's the whole point. So we did that this year for the first time, and everybody in the building brought their class through the through the bus and got books. And, you know, ideally what I would like to happen is that happens at every building, not just for Encrits. And, and there was supposed to be a sign-out sheet that went out. So hopefully, you know, it's been a slow rollout. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not usually very comfortable with slow rollouts, but I realize slow rollouts can often be very healthy. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at it as a healthy rollout and that... <laughs> We have lots of years to do this, and it's going to keep getting better. But what I envision for the future is for teachers to be able to sign up so everybody knows, okay, Tuesday, Thursdays, 10 to 12, Sarah and Lauren on the bus. Okay, Monday, Wednesdays, 10 to 12, so-and-so are on the bus. And some people go in the evenings, and some people go in the mornings, or whatever is good for their schedule. Um, I found it to be very connecting. I actually, I think probably the third time I was on the bus I started crying and I said this is the bridge we've been looking for you know our district is way too divided and it feels like a bridge and that hopefully it will become a big gur bridge and that this will be one bridge and there'll be more bridges and that once we do well on this bridge what other bridge can we build so I think this summer allows us that thinking, that creating, that evaluating, all those things that we need time for that we often don't have time for in the school year, or I don't feel like I have enough time for that. Um, I'm so grateful for the summer for that. And uh, driving the bus helps me stay connected to where are my kids and what are my kids doing and and how are my kids? Who are some of your like partners in crime that help you do all those things? Uh, Joe Totoro <laughs> and I were the ones, and Trish Kalina, the three of us were the ones that first started talking about the bus and how are we going to do this. And um, I think I think it was the three of us and Terry Palermo. The first year the bus came into the district. And then, um, and then COVID came and then it was Lauren Brennan and I, and Lauren Brennan and I, it all started by, remember when everybody was delivering food? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said, why aren't we delivering books with mm-hmm. the food? Mm-hmm. So we did that. So we would take the food in the bus and deliver the food, but whoever, because then we knew where their houses were. <laughs> we were like, okay, we're delivering food to this house and 
we got a list of like, how old are these kids that are in this house? So we could put a bag of books together for those kids and, and leave it with the food for them. So that's kind of how that started. And then, um, and then Lauren and I stayed together and, uh, you know, other people have talked about driving the bus. I, one time I took my girlfriend, Mary Schultz, uh, on the bus with me, um, and we handed out books. Um, and I don't, honestly, I don't mind going alone either. I like, I, I like, um, I, I liked going alone, but I loved having a visit with a friend when, uh, there weren't a lot of people or, you know, when, when you didn't get anybody to come. Cause sometimes you would go through the neighborhood, like it's a ghost town. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you'd go through and there were tons of people. And a lot of times it would be like the last 10 minutes and you would meet people, 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 people. It just depended. So there were times that it was really nice to have a friend. Do you stop to talk to adults, even if they're a kid? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and I remember one time in particular, this group of older men in a circle. And, you know, we said, are there any kids here? Do any kids want any books? And this one man said, you know, my nephew would love books. And I said, well, we'll help you pick them for him. And how old is he? And what is he like? And then we picked books for his nephew. So, you know, it didn't, yeah, we were just looking for people walking any, yeah. or, or being outside anywhere that we would talk to. Are these books that have to be returned? No. Oh, okay. These are books you keep forever. Because mm-hmm. we need libraries. You know, kids need libraries. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know if you ever read the book, What Struggling Readers Mo- Need Most. But what they need most are books on their level. Mm-hmm. And so it's very important to inundate them with books. That's great. I was just thinking at some point they should outfit the bus with a, like a sound system. So you're like a, a ice cream truck. Joe so, Totoro did that. Did he really? Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm curious. I feel like if you played the ice cream truck <laughs> song, you can make some children very unhappy. Yeah. <laughs> but but, but like, they'd come out. How they? Yeah. Right. So do you just play the ice cream truck song? No. But, uh, <laughs> Joe put everything on there. I don't know how to run it, but I think Joe uses it. Yeah. But Joe did put, it plays songs like the ice cream truck and it, you know, it goes out like, like on a speaker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was so great. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. They, they might get disappointed. Although my sister told her kids that it was the broccoli truck. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So we so, told our daughter that when the music is playing on the ice cream truck, it means it's out of ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Bunch mean. of big liars. Right? We are. We are just liars. <laughs> Sorry, Maddie. <laughs> She's a good reader, though. Good athlete. <laughs> so are there any kind of future aspirations that you are going to try to, you know, strive towards, whether it's professionally or personally? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what are you up to? What are your big dreams? What's your I, you know, it's plans? so interesting because I have a friend who retired when she was, uh, I don't know how old she was, but let's say it was five years ago. It was about five years ago. Why, are you close? No. No, I was no, 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 no. Okay. I'm, just, I'm just talking about her path that okay. interests me. Mm-hmm. So she got a degree in positive psychology and she got a lot of, you know, mindfulness meditation degrees and she gives a lot of retreats and she went on a 10 day vision quest and 
I'd like to do some things like that. I don't know. And I'm not talking about when I retire. I'm just talking about in my summers. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see things like that happening for me uh, in some way. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what my path looks like, but I know her path interests me. And so I know there'll be components of it that I can see myself heading toward. Um, and I also, um, envision professionally, I would love to work closely with TC. I am doing teacher's college in Columbia. I am doing a week long training this summer in August on, on the phonics units. Um, but I'd love to work closely with like a kindergarten guru. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd love to really you know, watch and learn and think and write and reflect and, you know, just spend some time deeply in that arena. And I had this book. So when I was, um, when I had kids, I, for four and a half years, I took off from teaching and I had other kids in my house. And there's a book that I have loved from I mean, probably for 30 years from when I first started teaching kindergarten called uh, Teaching Children Joy. And it's really about, you know, the moment and being in the moment. And, And here's a quick example. We were, you know, we were opening the windows. It was spring and everybody was bustling around the classroom. And I said, freeze. I said, listen. And we heard the birds singing, and it was so beautiful. We all stopped. And one little girl in particular, after that, after hearing that and thinking about that, every time she heard birds sing, she would say, freeze, let's listen. And it's like, there's so much magic and beauty right there. And kids that are five years old get it. And they are willing to go down the rabbit hole of, you know, of appreciating the moment, of noticing the beauty and the magic all around them. And that makes me so excited. And like, how do I weave that into a curriculum that's so uh, natural? You know, it's it's who they are. Mm-hmm. It's just taking who they are and like, weaving the curriculum through all of that. And I just feel like we don't do a good enough job in that in education. And, and it's really hard. Mm-hmm. And one, reason, one thing I always say, I was never taught like that. Mm-hmm. I never saw teaching like that. So when I'm trying to learn that, there's no map. Right. And, and like you can read it and it's this, you know, concept over here. But concepts are not concrete, mm-hmm. and I'm a concrete learner. So it's like, you know, you, you, you take a few steps, and then you fall down. Mm-hmm. Then you dust yourself off and say, that didn't work. <laughs> and then you pick yourself up, and then you take a few more steps. And I say, like, when I'm tired or when I'm overdrawn, I revert back to the teaching that I saw, that I, that I had given to me, mm-hmm. because... That's what I spent the most years in. And then, you know, you, you pull yourself back. So it's a lot of, you know, 
teaching is a lot of, you know, failing and then a little success. So maybe, maybe one of the great values of the summer is it's a time to unlearn things, Mm. right? So to sort of like clear out the frames that we grew up learning under that we know now are not as effective as it could be. Mm -hmm. So it's... uh, I know I have to unlearn a lot, and that's my personality. I'm, I'm big on, I get on a particular uh, path, and I don't want to deviate from it, and I need people or myself to tap myself on the shoulder and say, why are you doing it that way? You know, but I, in the summer you have time to, to wait and then, and then ask yourself those reflective questions, whereas it's harder to do during the school year. Yeah, time. and I think that you learn so much in the school year. So you look back, you, you evaluate, you reflect, like, what went well? What didn't go well? What can I learn from that? And how can I grow? You know, you, you do, like, like that, that bird thing that happened, that was organic. And I thought that was really powerful to her and to every other child because every time she said that, everybody stopped (laughs) and if nobody felt anything from the bird song no one would have stopped Mm -hmm. they would have just gone on their way but everybody froze and listened and when the gong goes off every hour (laughs) we stop we breathe we take a breath in we roll our heads we release our shoulders and we realize as as adults me, I need it as much, probably more than they do, because I'll feel my shoulders up here, and I'll feel my back tight, and I'll think, oh, right, (laughs) here I am, it's okay, you know, we're gonna work together, and I have kids who are very hyper, that it really helps calm them down, and I have kids that are anxious and it helps release and relieve their anxiety and it's a little thing mm-hmm. I mean it's so awakening pill on the computer every hour like it's it's simple mm-hmm. but it's effective and so then each year you see well what was effective and then build a little bit another little step NYSIT is more than 600,000 people who work in or are retired from New York schools, colleges, and healthcare facilities. We are classroom teachers, college and university faculty, and professional staff, school bus drivers, custodians, secretaries, cafeteria workers, teachers' assistants and aides, nurses, and healthcare technicians. We are dedicated to improving not only our working conditions, but also our professions. We are united in a common commitment to improve the quality of education and healthcare for the people of New York. At NYSIT, we make a difference. But I I don't know if you guys remember Sandy Winslow. She was an amazing teacher at Frank P. Long, and her and I were the opposite sides of the spectrum. I was like, Oh, look at this great new thing. I'm going to jump in. Bam! And I'm like, I'm in the deep water. I can't And she was like, what new thing? We're not doing any new thing. This, I don't want to do a new thing. What do you mean? Why do we have to do a new thing? And she would, she would inspect it from every angle and then slowly take one step. And we were so good for each other. We would both just, you know, help each other like, 
okay, you take the next step. Okay, you don't have to dive yet. Stay on the land. (laughs) Don't dive. And we learned a lot from each other. And, you know, I think, and I don't know how the social aid department works, but having a reading coach is like the biggest, most amazing luxury to have someone kind of hold your hand and be a thinker for you. You know, to say, I'm in the weeds. Mm -hmm. I need some help. You know, tell me how to tackle this because I don't have the brain power right now to figure this out or this kid out or this issue out and then have them, you know, tackle it for you and say, here you go. And you need that sometimes. You're just drowning and you're like, thank you. I needed that. Is there anything that you want to add? I just think... um, I have found with the job that teaching is that um, the summer or even Christmas or spaces between your teaching, whatever those spaces are, um, I think are so refueling and rejuvenating. And I think I feel when June comes, it's exciting. And when September comes, it's exciting yeah. because you've had the time to refuel and you come in like, I got this new idea and I can't wait to try it and we'll see what happens. Or even just, I've got a new group of kids and we get to check it all out again. And it, it's, it's exciting to have both. I have this idea that I think most of my colleagues would hate. So you <laughs> let me know if you hate it also, <laughs> that I would probably sign up to have a reduced summer vacation in order to drop in smaller breaks throughout the year. So like a a two week break. I would love year round school, four days a week, or a year round school, two weeks here, two weeks there. Just because I think number one, student learning um, gets held more. I think they lose less, particularly younger grades. Mm -hmm. But I also think um, I hold on to more too. Because sometimes at the beginning of the year, it's like you know, you're starting all over again. Where I feel like if you kept a little continuity, you would have reflect and then go back and reflect and go back. And there wouldn't be this packing up the room and unpacking the room. It's more like more continual, more continuous, which I feel like learning should be more continuous. Do you hate that idea, Wendy? <laughs> um, I see I see the benefits, but I feel like there's drawbacks. You the wonderful ways that your summers have evolved, yeah. the way that you describe them. And I really do think that two weeks off even does not allow us to have the reflective you know, abilities that we have with the two months off. And I don't know if we need two months either, but I, I know that we don't even wind down until the third week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There is a piece of that. Yeah. So there's, I mean, I hope that, I, I don't know. I hope that everyone is being as reflective as you are. I think most teachers are. Um, I think we're already thinking about like, you know, as we wind down, we're thinking about how the end of the year went and what we want to do the next year and as August comes around we're starting to think a little bit more like 
you know, what is it that we want to gear up for in the beginning? Yeah. So I just, and, and then somewhere in the middle, you get to enjoy a little vacation, a little family, a little reflection, a little You get to be a really time. good mother yeah. or father for, yeah. so, I mean, <laughs> for a couple months. It's one of like the biggest perks, I think, even, you know, to like get future teachers thinking about careers in education is that like, it is a really difficult job all year long. You're mm-hmm. you're doing so much more than just teaching a lesson every single day. You know, hundreds you to, of decisions in yes, a half hour. Yes, but you know, there's these there's this time that you get to really kind of also be yourself and focus on your family and do like I don't know. So, I'm, I'm what if it was five weeks? I, I say, <laughs> there's actually, there's got to be a yeah. Really like no, I I don't think it should be two weeks right. for the summer. Be. I think it should be like five weeks or even six uh, weeks. But then the rest of those days go intermittently. If, mm-hmm. That's what I I would be. I would think minimum six weeks. But if we stole two weeks, right now we have our week in February and our week around April, and we've our week around. December and I would love to drop in two more weeks of days, mm-hmm. you know, to give like little restorative or even breaks. four day weeks. Yeah, I would interesting that. idea. <laughs> <laughs> I've thought of it too. <laughs> Sarah, thank you so much for being with us. Again, we love you. You're one of our favorites. Um, and I I really think that the, the way that you live your summer is like something we should all aspire to, right? Like you just, you're so well balanced. Yeah, you, you do a little bit of yourself, a little bit of your family, uh, a little bit of professional, you know, thoughts. And I'm totally striving for that now. Um, I think that um, teachers try to do that a lot, but it's not always easy, you know, especially when you have little kids and a lot of teachers are with their young families and they're at travel and their travel practices and their summer tournaments and things like that. We yeah. don't always like get to sit back and relax, but you do it well, Sarah. So thank you so much for being with us. Thank yeah, you. You're the best. <laughs> Thanks. I, I love coming. I love being here. <laughs> I love being with you guys. It's always a good time. <laughs>